Do you know the song which goes, and if you're sort of, as the sun moves around, if you need to move seats, feel free if you're getting dazzled by that. But do you know the, the kid's song which goes, head, shoulders, knees and toes, knees and toes, head, shoulders, knees and toes, knees and toes. Uh, how's it go on? You know it. Okay, so uh, kids love singing it, and they love doing the actions to it. And I think it's lovely to watch kids doing actions to songs. So um, they get such joy, don't they, from their bodies. They're jumping around. They're expressing themselves in movement. And typically, at the very young end, without any sort of self-consciousness or hang-ups at all, really struck me last Monday. I was over in the, the Hostel Limehouse doing our weekly session there. And the young kids were still off school, and they were sort of charging around their place and... Uh, just so sort of free, running that around the canteen area, just comfortable, free, relaxed, and happy in their bodies. Sadly, that phase of bodily innocence does not last very long. And all too soon, our relationship with our bodies becomes a lot more complex. We feel self-conscious, uh, we're a lot less happy doing actions to songs, uh, and our bodies actually become a really, really sensitive subject. How we feel about them. Uh, what we've done with them. What others have done to them. How our bodies are changing. And our bodies can stir up a whole range of emotions. And we become aware of very opposing views in society about the body. So some people seem to see the body as being everything sort of worshipping it, and other people seem to treat it as nothing at all. And it can be confusing. Where do we go for help? Where do we go for clarity? Well, the Bible has a lot to say about our bodies. And so this week and next, we're going to explore that. This week, we're going to do an overview of what the Bible says about our bodies. We're going to look at lots of different verses. And then next week, we're going to zero in on the specific issue of gender and transgender, which are such hot topics um, in society today. So today, as you'll see on the outline inside the service sheets, we're looking at what the Bible teaches about our bodies under these four headings. And firstly, our bodies are a gift. Our bodies are a gift from God. So God gave us bodies. The Bible says, and I put all the references in the footnotes, that the Bible says, the Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living creature. God is spirit, so God doesn't have a physical body, but he created a physical universe, and he created people with physical bodies, and he declared this physical creation, he said it was very good. And although God is spirit, in Jesus, God he made a body for himself. So the word, the Son of God, became flesh. He became embodied. As Sam Albury puts it in his book, I put in the footnote there, uh, what God has to say about our bodies. And pretty much every point I'm going to make in this talk is from that book. Jesus' incarnation, he says, is it is the highest compliment the human body has ever been paid. Which is a nice way of putting it. That God made a body for himself, and he didn't just do it for Christmas, he did it forever. So the Son of God became human, 
That was not a reversible thing. It was a permanent thing. And there is now a human body at the right hand of God the Father. So it's saying that our physical bodies are a good thing. It's God's idea. It's his making. In the, um, if you know your sort of church history, in the second and third centuries, there was a movement, um, heretical movement, very widespread, called Gnosticism. And it taught that physical matter was bad, it was evil. But the Bible says, no, the Bible affirms the goodness of our physical bodies. Our bodies are a good gift. And so, I mean, one implication of this would be that physical presence is a good thing. Physical presence matters because we are physical people. And so relating online, relating virtually, is no substitute for being physically present with someone. And we found that during the pandemic, didn't we? That church needs to be physically present. We serve one another at best when we're physically present. And church should be a place for appropriate and healthy physical touch in a society which is, people have said, it's society is sex-obsessed but touch-deprived. God gave us bodies. So we mustn't treat the body as if it was nothing, as if the body doesn't matter, you know, as if my body has got no significance for who I am, or as if, you know, what I do with my body doesn't matter. It does. It really does. But equally, we mustn't treat the body as if it were everything. We mustn't make an idol of our bodies and how we look. So the external and the physical is not the whole picture of us as people. It's an important part, but not the whole picture. So there is more to us than our bodies. The Bible says, may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And the Bible says that man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord, he looks on the heart. So God gave us bodies, and secondly, amazing bodies. David said, I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. And we are, aren't we? Each one of us is. That our bodies are amazing. And I struggle to see how medics can be atheists. Because the more you know about the human body, the more miraculous it seems. So I watched the video this past week about the ear, the human ear, how it works. And it is just staggeringly complex. The way that sound waves make the, the eardrum vibrate. And these vibrations then move these three tiny ear bones in the middle ear. And then these make some fluid ripple in the inner ear. And then you've got these hair cells that detect this rippling in the fluid. And it triggers chemicals, which then create an electrical signal. And this signal then reaches the brain and is interpreted as sound that we recognize and understand. I mean, you think, the fact that you can listen to my words now and understand what I'm saying, it's a miracle. It's amazing. And so every day we should give thanks to God for our bodies. That each one of us is a walking miracle. And we should look after this amazing bit of kit. Because your body is not like your mobile phone. You drop your mobile phone, you smash it, you order another online. We only get one body. So we need to look after it. So the Bible says, no one ever hated his own flesh but nourishes and cherishes it. So we nourish, that is we feed our bodies, and we, shouldn't feed, we should feed them with good food, 
not with junk food, and well, occasional Big Mac's okay, but you know what I mean. And we shouldn't damage them with drinking too much, drugs, smoking, so we, we should nourish them. The Bible says cherish them. And to cherish your body means to lovingly look after it. The Bible says bodily training is of some value. Now, that was written at a time when people were a lot more active than we are today. I mean, just think about Jesus, as we saw last week, going up and down the country on foot. And so it's good and it is godly to take care of our bodies, to pay attention to our physical health, to get exercise, diet, you know, getting a right amount of sleep, not too much, not too little. And the opposite of that, so physical... Actually, Pete, leave it open. We're going we're gonna to die if we... Uh, yeah, sorry. We, a little bit hoovering out there, I think, is fine. I'd leave the doors open. Thank you. The, the stewards will go and tell him if they get too loud out there. The opposite of this sort of physical self-harm is never a good thing. So God gave us bodies. He gave us amazing bodies. And God gave you your body. So you are unique. Unique fingerprint and DNA, so of the 8 billion people on the planet, no one else looks exactly like you. And no one ever has. Now that is no accident, that is God's good design. So God does not have a sort of mass production, cookie cutter, sausage factory approach to creating. The way each of us looks, the body we each have, the sex you are, it is a gift from God and it has your name on it. So God knew what he was doing when he made you with the body that you have. He made you, you. He made me, me, the way we are for a reason. Our bodies are a gift. And so as with any gift, we should be thankful for it. Now that is easier said than done because our bodies are not just a gift. In a fallen world, they are also a pain, which is our second point. Our bodies are a pain. When the first people rebelled against God, God's judgment affected the physical world. The Bible says, we just had it in our reading now, the creation was subjected to futility and bondage to decay. And that includes our bodies. So as a result, we get sick. The Bible calls our bodies jars of clay. Our bodies now are weak and fragile. Think of a vase. You know, a vase which easily gets knocked over, gets cracked, gets broken. Our bodies are jars of clay. And the bodies refer, we had this in our first reading, the, body, uh, the Bible refers to our bodies as a tent. A tent is something flimsy. It's easily blown away in a storm. And so in a fallen world, our bodies are vulnerable to disease and sickness. How many of us were sick this past week in some way? Probably loads of us, as in any week. And some here will have chronic conditions and have to cope with considerable pain. The Bible says, we saw last week, that the crowds brought to Jesus all the sick and those afflicted with various diseases and pains. And we do well to be coming to him with our sicknesses, praying for strength, praying for healing, and knowing that he will be compassionate because he knows firsthand what it is to have a physical body and to experience pain. So we get sick, we also get old. The Bible says, remember your creator in the days of your youth before the evil days come. 
And it goes on to describe the physical effects of getting old. Physical decline starts apparently at the age of 25. Sorry if that's bad news for you here this morning. Uh, but it starts about the age of 25. And it is hard and it's frustrating. As our bodies slow down and we get weaker and young people start running and cycling past us and, you know, it stops working as well, our bodies. And the ageing seminar coming up on Saturday, a great chance to explore this more, so sign up for that. But the Bible says, we do not lose heart. Though our outer nature, speaking of our bodies, though our outer nature is wasting away, our inner nature is being renewed day by day. So it's saying as our bodies decline, our spiritual renewal can increase if we cultivate that. So we get sick, we get old, one day we will die. And as the Bible says, the dust returns to the earth. Rather than ignoring that inconvenient truth, the Bible encourages, and we had a whole sermon on this, the Bible encourages us to number our days. That is to say, to face up to it, the fact we're going to die, face up to it, live in light of it. And to make sure we have a certain hope beyond the grave, as we'll see in a moment. A second challenge of life in a fallen world is that instead of delighting in our bodies, we may feel shame. Before the fall, Adam and Eve were naked and not ashamed. After the fall, we read that their eyes were opened and they made, they made loincloths to cover themselves up from each other, to hide from each other. And this self-consciousness about our bodies is something all of us now experience. Not just in the fact that we wear clothes, but in the fact that we feel shame about our bodies. Some of us may feel shame about our bodies because of what others have done to us in the past. How others have abused our body. And although we were the victim, tragically, we feel shame. Deep shame. Others of us who haven't experienced that, nevertheless, we may, we may hate our body uh, or parts of our body, and this can manifest in things like eating disorders. All of us here are probably unhappy with some part of our body, something about our appearance that we just wish were different. This unhappiness with how we look, it's made worse, isn't it, by comparing ourselves, our own bodies, with unreachable ideals. These airbrushed images on screens and advertising, uh, super slim models or jacked bodybuilders, and we sort of compare ourselves to this. And this discontent we may feel with our bodies can be compounded by cutting comments that people have made. Maybe people have said to us things in the past about us being too thin or too fat. Too skinny or too flabby. Too short or too tall. Or they've made some comment about some part of our body and it's stuck with us. Now these are, these are really, really complex issues. But rather than wanting to be somebody else, a healthy attitude to our bodies begins with accepting that God made me the way I am for a reason. I was reading in this book uh, by Sam Albury about one man who struggled all his life with being short, and he ended up concluding this. 
I am the way I am for a specific God-ordained purpose. In God's sovereignty, I am not tall, dark, and handsome. I'm short, white, and funny. And coveting a taller me for all those years was foolishness because I was wanting a not-God-designed me. It's also worth remembering that Jesus was nothing special to look at. I mean, the Bible says he, he had no form or majesty that we should look on him and no beauty that we should desire him. And in his suffering, people actually looked away from him in disgust because he was so disfigured. We should also bear in mind that looks are not everything. The Bible says that physical beauty is fleeting, doesn't last, and that we should value and cultivate, it says, the, the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious. A third aspect there of physical life in a fallen world is body sin. And that is to say that none of us have used our bodies exactly as God intended. Loving him, loving others. None of us have done that. Instead, by nature, we use our bodies, we have used our bodies in the service of sin. So the Bible says of people in general, it says, no one does good, their mouth is full of curses and bitterness, their feet are swift to shed blood. So in our natural state, sin reigns in our bodies, and it affects how we use every part of our bodies. Tongue, hands, eyes, sex organs, feet, the whole lot. So we have some really, really serious body issues here. We've got decay, we've got shame, we've got sin. We're in big trouble. We need help. We need rescue. We need hope. And God has provided that by sending his son in a body. So his body, the body of Jesus, is our only hope. Which brings us to our third point, our bodies belong to God. The Bible says that when Christ came into the world, he said to God, a body you have prepared for me. The eternal Son of God took on flesh and blood. He became one of us, a real human being with a physical body. And he gave that body, that physical body, to suffer and die for us. So at the Last Supper, Jesus broke bread. He gave it to his disciples and he said, this is my body which is given for you. So to represent us, to suffer for us, Jesus had to become one of us with a real body. So the Bible says he himself bore our sins in his body on the tree. It says we've been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. It says he's now reconciled you in his body of flesh, by his death. We can't fix what's broken. Our only hope is the body of Christ given for us. And when we trust in that, in that gift of Christ's body for us, it impacts our bodies. So it affects us not just spiritually, it affects us physically. In what kind of ways? Well, the Bible says to believers, your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within, whom you have from God. You're not your own, for you were bought with a price, so glorify God in your body. 
So faith in Christ brings at least two changes to our bodies. First, God comes to dwell in them by his Holy Spirit. And second, our bodies now belong to God. He's bought us, having paid with the blood of Christ. Now, in human relationships, it is utterly horrific if your body is owned by someone else. I mean, that's the worst, isn't it? So if someone else has bought you, bought your body to abuse you in forced labor or sexual exploitation, I mean, human trafficking is is appalling. But with God, it's different. So with God, it is good and it is right that our bodies now belong to him. He's bought us. And because of his love and because of his care for us, that is how we flourish as people. Now, because our bodies belong to him now, and he dwells in us by his spirit, we are to glorify him in our bodies. What does that involve? Some of the believers in the church in Corinth, they thought, doesn't matter what I do with my body. Yeah, so they thought, even though they were believers, they thought, you know, I can have sex with a prostitute, doesn't matter, it's just a physical thing, it's not not a spiritual thing, but they could not have been more wrong. The Bible says, the body is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord. And because we become one with Christ, if I visit a brothel, I'm basically taking Christ in with me. Our bodies, the Bible says, are now members of Christ. So what we do with our bodies, it could not matter more. And that's why the Bible says we are to flee from sexual immorality. So we're to glorify God in our bodies, and that's going to involve keeping control of our bodies. The Apostle Paul said this, I discipline my body and keep it under control. So he said he was like an athlete who exercises self-control in all things. So, you know, lots of sport going on at the moment. Rugby World Cup just kicked off. Uh, Rowing World Championships, last day today. Athletes competing at that kind of level, they need self-control, don't they? So they don't just give in to whatever their body wants. They can't just eat Big Macs and pizza. They can't just lounge around all day being lazy. They have to eat healthy, train hard. They have to control their bodies. Well, Paul's saying that as believers... We too need to control our bodies, not indulging its every sinful desire and impulse. And we have got even greater incentive. The Bible says of athletes, they do it to receive an imperishable wreath. We, uh, sorry, they do it to receive a perishable wreath, we an imperishable. A lot is at stake. And so the Bible tells us, it says, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, which is your spiritual worship. So whereas before we used to use our body parts to serve sin, we're now to use them to serve God. So the Bible says, present your members, it's talking about your body parts, present your members to God as instruments for righteousness. So we're now to use our feet to walk in his ways. We are to use our mouths to speak the truth, to encourage others. We're to use our hands to do good. We use our arms to embrace the lonely and the distressed. We are to use our eyes to see the needs of other people. We are to use our ears to listen carefully to others. We are to use our heads to think about how can I better love God and other people. 
We're to use our shoulders to carry the burdens of others. We're to use our legs to run away from sin and so on. Some songs um, take you back to childhood. One song that does it for me is Two Little Eyes. I can remember singing this when I was a teeny tot on my mother's knee. Do with the actions. You go, two little eyes to look to God. Two little ears to hear his word. Two little feet to walk in his ways. Two little lips to sing his praise. Two little hands to do his will. And one little heart to love him still. A fantastic song. Good one for adults as well. That our bodies are now recommissioned, they're repurposed for God's service. Now, whether we're fighting fit or bound to our bed, that is true. Because when you think about it, the Apostle Paul had plenty of times when he wasn't free to move around as he wanted. He was physically constrained, in chains, in prison, but he still used his body to serve God. So through the body of Christ, our bodies now belong to God through faith in him, but that does not fix all our body issues, at least not yet. So as believers, our bodies, they still get sick, they still get old, and they still die. But God has a plan for them. Our bodies have a future, and that's our final point. The Bible says, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep, meaning those who've died. So as Christ was physically raised from the dead, so believers who have died will be physically raised. So the age to come is going to be life in physical bodies in a renewed physical world. In ancient Greek thought, the ideal was that one day the soul would escape from this evil body and would leave it behind. That is not Christian thinking. God has got very different plans. So although if you died today, if you died today as a believer, you'd go go to be with the Lord spiritually in heaven. That is just, if you like, a transit lounge at the airport. It's not the destination. The destination is resurrection body when Christ returns. So on gravestones sometimes you see um, a single Latin word, the word resurgam. Resurgam. Uh, It's also on the side of St. Paul's Cathedral. And it may sound like a sort of Harry Potter spell, resurgam, but it means, in Latin, I will rise again. Now that is a good thing to say every morning as we, uh, we get up, we start a new day, as we look in the mirror, see ourselves getting older, as we struggle with sickness, as we face death, to say, Resurgam, I will rise again. That is our confidence as believers because of Christ. And our resurrection bodies will be amazing. The Bible says we await a saviour, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body. So our resurrection bodies, it will be the ultimate upgrade. They won't get sick. They won't get old. They won't die. They won't sin. We won't feel ashamed. We won't feel unhappy with our looks. No body issues anymore, ever. And this life in the age to come will be even more real, even more substantial than our life now. So the Bible says, if the tent, speaking of our bodies, if our tent, which is our earthly home, is destroyed, we have a building from God, 
a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. So it's saying the body now is like a flimsy tent. At the resurrection, we move into our permanent home, a house, a building, the resurrection body, the dream home, a house to die for. But it won't be a completely different body that God gives us. It will be this body, raised and transformed. And the Bible uses the picture of a seed and the plant that grows from it. There's continuity, but there's radical transformation. And so it's been said, we don't bury Christians, we plant them. And it's been said that death is not an executioner, but a gardener. That is what waits the believer, awaits the believer. Now, many of us, I guess, can relate to FOMO, uh, the fear of missing out. We want to do everything that life now has to offer. And we're told, aren't we? We're told, you really, really must visit these thousand places before you die. And you've got to do these thousand activities before you die. And we've got our bucket list to work through. And we think, there just isn't time for all this stuff. And we start to panic as we get older. But for the believer, this life is not all there is. We will have plenty of time for everything in eternity. In the age to come, we can do loads of this stuff then. We don't need to do everything now that we would love to do. And we don't need to look back with longing to past years when we were younger and we were fitter. And we don't need to look forward with trepidation, fearing the limitations of getting older. The Bible says the best is yet to come. The best physical days for you and me are yet to come. So the glory years, they don't lie behind us. They lie ahead of us. Eternity with God and his people in a renewed universe, in resurrection bodies. That is what awaits God's people. But apart from Christ, a very different eternal future lies ahead. Just as physical, but terrible, all people will be raised physically, bodily, either to, the Bible says, the resurrection of life, or the resurrection of judgment. So hell is not just a spiritual reality, it is a physical one as well. Now, that is not what God wants for us. And it is to rescue us from that that God sent his son. The word became flesh to rescue us from it. Incarnation for salvation. And if we receive him, if we believe in him, we become his, both now and forever.